You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. It's very volatile, isn't it? And I'm sure that you've managed to resist getting into the market, but your buy button must be flashing red at you to say, please push me. I would think so, actually, to be honest. I, I, I think we are in that sort of territory. It doesn't mean the market can't fall much. I mean, it's, it can't fall anymore. It may, it may still fall. Uh, quite dramatically. I mean, who knows? I don't know. But I think it is showing value. You know, when you look at the market valuations now, I know mining earnings are exaggerated and will come off. I, I, I got this. They are probably at, you know, some sort of peak. And uh, over the next year or two, they will come off. They probably won't collapse. You know, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to collapse simply because I don't think the downside on commodity prices are, are, is, is, is all that, that great. So commodity, I mean, mining prices will, will come off. Uh, earnings will, will come off, but I don't think that um, it will come off enough to push the PE to you know, massively high levels by the earnings, the earnings falling. Yes. So when you look at the valuation of the market, you know, this thing's at a 10 and a half price earnings ratio historic. Now, I know that will go up as the earnings start to come down from the mining sector, but, you know, maybe it takes it up to a 13 PE. You know, that's reasonable value. Mm. You're focusing on commodities. No, that, that's and we, we, not bad. So. No, you've highlighted in last week's interview, you highlighted commodities and um, particularly platinum stocks. And you said these have really come off so much that they are uh, warranting yes. a, a little bit of attention. Yes, I would. I, I certainly would think so. But, you know, when you look at the market valuations, now, of course, this is all historic, historic data and you never know what the future holds. You know, maybe earnings for our market fall 15%, 50%. Maybe they fall 10%. I don't know what they're going to fall. But our historic market valuation on a price-earnings ratio is probably about 14. You know, in 2008, it got to 9. In 2003, it fell to 9. In the um, COVID crisis, it fell to 12. It's sitting at 10.5 now. So even if, even if mining earnings half, you know, mining earnings half will be probably take the P-E ratio up by make it, I suppose, three times, that'll twice, twice, it'll take it to 12, 13, which is still well below average. So the market's actually showing true underlying value. Mm. I think so. But as, as you quite rightly say, I still think there's, there's maybe one more, one more little scare from somewhere. I don't know from where, from where it is. I don't know from where it will come, but there's one more little scare to come maybe. And then we go into the, traditionally a good time of the year, isn't it? I, I think September is, is the worst month. October has had a couple of the biggest shocks, the nastiest shocks. November, December usually looks forward to the new year with a good deal of optimism, both of those months. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to reoccur this time around, simply because we are now entering a December, January, February in a very high inflation and very high interest rate environment, which we don't normally see. Hmm. So I'm not too sure whether the, the rally, the, 
market will rally in November, December, January, but it'll probably rally next year because it'll start looking forward to interest rate cuts again. Yeah. Because interest rate cuts are coming. I mean, inflation in the second half of next year in South Africa will probably be between 3 and 4%. In America, it'll be between 25 and 3% or maybe between 2 and 2.5%, but somewhere in that range. But okay. significantly lower than what we see now. I would tend to agree with you. I think you may be being over over optimistic um, because I think these prices are um, people could say sticky. I prefer to say a little bit adhe- adhesive, and and it takes a while for things to work through the system, i.e., higher interest rates. And the other thing that I think sort of backs up your idea about inflation, Wayne, is that. Um, The price of a container, let's say from Shanghai to where I am in Rotterdam or Antwerp, um, has gone from $14,000 a container down to below $7,000 a container. That that, that tells you two things. It tells you, uh, one, that the supply chain is working its way um, back to normality. And the other thing is that um, there there might be a little bit of a, a slowdown in the world economy. So... A lot of these prices have already been fixed, and it takes a while for this this container to it takes travel. A while to work. Across, yeah, exactly. But it works through, and it will work through to next year, along with the higher interest rates and the and, and the suppression of demand. Don't you think? Definitely. I mean, when you look at okay, we know we know oil is um, distorted by OPEC and the war and all of that. But when you look at other at other indices. I mean, we just take industrial commodities, so that's mainly copper. Mm. You know, that's down index-wise 35%. Um, food index-wise is down 20%. And even Brent crude is down 20%, even despite this little rally we've seen now, which seems to be petering out. So all of these between, you know, March and June next year, will actually be showing negative. And, but the big one, of course, is wage inflation. But an economic slowdown sorts out wage inflation very, very quickly. Yeah, it does. And um, although you get these great figures, for, like, for, for example, the United Kingdom, which I watch quite closely, unemployment is at its lowest level uh, for five decades now. And that sounds really, really good. Yes. Well, but, the, same, the same in the USA. Yeah, but in the UK, uh, Wayne, a lot of that is to do with the fact that I think something like 240,000 people have left the workforce. In other words, they're not looking for jobs anymore. So immediately that brings yes. that rate down. I wonder if the same is true in the United States. People are just saying, I've given up. I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this job. I don't want to apply for this job. Yeah. Well, look, a lot of, a lot of people did that in America as well with the handouts they got and the subsidies. A lot of them just stopped working. But basically, it's full employment in the UK and specifically in the US, but an economic slowdown on the back of higher interest rates sorts that out very quickly. Mm. Yeah, it certainly does. What do you think about earnings season in the United States, which is upon us? Do you think that it it is a make or break quarter or is it just a a run of the mill quarter and we have to look further ahead? Um, Because to me, Wayne, you've spoken about, you know, I sort of suggested that you might be looking to press the buy button. But do you think that um, the line of re- least resistance at the moment, anyway, is to the upside rather than the downside because the markets are so oversold? On a one-year view, yes. On a two-month view, I've got no idea. The market could easily fall another 
I don't know, in my, in my estimate, my guess, mm. the market could easily fall another 10, 15%. It might not, but I, it's, it's hard to say. But just on U.S. earnings, mm. U.S. earnings are, are also at an absolute peak after a very, very strong rise post-COVID. So the next couple of earnings seasons, just cyclically, will probably be on the downside, given the high interest rates and given economic slowdown. Yeah. So we could see U.S. earnings. I mean, I know the consensus is for about an 8% growth, but this could easily go to zero or turn slightly negative. Yeah, yeah but it's also, it's also it, it has been speculated upon and also it will be flagged in the post-results statements in, the, in their results. They'll say, well, we're having a little bit of a tough time at the moment, so don't expect any fireworks, that sort of thing. So maybe the market yeah. already knows it's, this, and that's why we might get a stabilisation. Because I also get the sense that people, the sellers are a little bit fatigued, Wayne, a little bit. I think so as well, actually. I think the major, the major, the major bear market is over, in my view. Yes. You know, uh, we're not going to see an economic collapse like we've seen in other in other bear markets or other periods of rising interest rates, because there's no immediate debt bubble that's going to burst. I know there's lots of commentary going around: is will we face another financial crisis, etc. I suppose, on the face of it, yes, you know, on on the face of it, such high inflation and such high interest rates, you could make a a very clear case that we're going to head for an almighty economic slowdown. I, I just don't, I just don't think so. Why? Because of you know, personal uh, and corporate balance mm -hmm. sheets. Yeah, they're not they're not in bad condition. The banking system is not in bad condition. But you know, if we do get another global financial crisis, you know, there is still one tool that um, the central banks can use, and that's cutting interest rates because at least they're not zero anymore. Yeah, not from what many commentators say. They have they all say that we have to stick to the rising interest rate commitment that we've made. And when I say we, I mean the, mean the central bankers. It's I don't think that they can suddenly say, oh, wait a second, let's do a U-turn, because that might also engender a little bit of panic um, when they do that. They've got to stick to their guns. They've got to stick to something. They stuck to zero rates for so many years or near zero for so many years. Yeah. They couldn't suddenly put them up oh, 3 4% and then say, oh, no, wait a second. Um, exactly what we wanted to happen has happened, so let's cut them again. So I, I'm not sure. I think they, they 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 fear inflation, and let's face it, inflation is the enemy. Now, inflation is enemy number one. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. Mm. Uh, and they will they will unquestionably counter inflation, even if it means economic slowdown. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that um, the, you know, central banks, as much as they sit sit around the table with um, you know, governments and everything, they, they sit very much, um, they're the table in the corner, sitting, talking amongst themselves while everyone else is, um, um, you know, socialising, if you, see, if you can see, think of that analogy. Uh, they sit there and say, we, yeah. we are the custodians of um, financial stability and also the currency and also inflation so they'll look after that and it's up to the government to stimulate with with fiscal policies is that a simplistic yes. argument no no it's not simplistic at all in fact good 
So I actually think that they will actually uh, counteract inflation before anything else. Yeah. And then they'll learn, and then they'll relook at things. Yes, good. Okay. Anything in South Africa that's caught your eye? It seems to be very quiet on the corporate front since we last spoke. Yeah, there's not much happening. I mean, it's quite interesting that uh, Sunlum is buying Afrocentric. I think it's quite a good deal for them. I think they're going to get into a part of the business, a part of the market there that they can't access by themselves. And I don't think that they actually paying massively over the top for it. I know the market didn't like the the transaction yesterday. They marked down Sunlum's share price, but even if they are overpaying a little bit, it's so small in their lives that it actually doesn't make any difference, really. Okay, and what about uh, the Grindrod Shipping Holdings Limited? We knew this was going to happen, but this morning, Tempest Data announced the agreement with Taylor Maritime Investments Limited, the share price up nearly 7% today. Is that too small for you? Yeah. Look, unfortunately, it is a little bit. It's not a company that I'll actually look at often at, at all, unfortunately. Okay. Anyway, that's the only two I've seen today and over the last week. Not very much at all. Okay, no, so there's I, not much. No, no there's not much. So let, let's, let's let's move on to food. Food. I've got a food story, Wayne. I'm I'm, I'm not a particularly sociable fellow. You know, I'm awkward in 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 people's company. Um, I'm a little bit shy. So uh, when I get invited to a dinner party, uh, my go-to word is no. And then I come up with an excuse afterwards. I mean, COVID was perfect for me because I could always say, oh, no, sorry, I've got COVID. <laughs> um, so uh, so without that excuse now, I, I, I couldn't find up with, I couldn't come up with an excuse. So I went there. It's a very nice couple that invited me. This is a Dutch maritime engineer who, who's married to a Singaporean uh, woman. They've been married for 20 years or, or something, three kids. And she is an expert Japanese chef or uh, a chef who specializes in Japanese food. And I have to say that that was one of the reasons I couldn't find an excuse because I wanted to go there. We started with these, um, she started with these um, sort of seaweed crackers, a little sort of um, a taster. Uh, then uh, three plates of maki, you know, the, the, the rolls surrounded by yeah. seaweed with rice, perfectly formed circles. Beautifully, very artistic. There was um, there was salmon and avocado. There was um, a vegetarian one, and there was also a crab one as well. So he had three plates of that, which I tucked into with a good deal of gusto. And then after that, um, she brought out these uh, little omelets. I don't know. They they make an omelet, and they they cut them into into sort of sushi like um, bite sized pieces for the for the um, for the chopsticks. Very, very good indeed. Then white miso soup after that. And then after sure. that, then after that, uh, two different plates, massive plates of salmon, one seared on one side and one completely raw. And she had bought this um, wild Norwegian salmon from her favorite uh, fishmonger. I sat there and then, you know, copious amounts of sake, no. obviously. And I was, I was, I was in heaven. I mean, I was, I was, I was. No, okay, look, I... That is fantastic. I can't match that food story. Well, it's, that sounds just too delicious for words, to be honest. Do you like Japanese food? Yes, I do. Mm. I like all Asian food. Yeah, me too. I've gone a little bit off Chinese food. I was the world's greatest Chinese food fan, but I, I go now more for, I suppose, let's call it Asian Thai food. Yeah, we, we spoke about Thai, Thai a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and, but I like but I like Japanese food. There was a Japanese restaurant. 
oh, what was its name? I think of it now, but unfortunately it closed down. Where was and it? And they also served a, it was at the, at the Wedge Shopping Center. Um, I'll think of its name now. Um, just, it just escapes me. Well, the Wedge in Ravonia Road. It, yeah, on Ravonia Road, yeah, downstairs next to the Woolworths. Yeah, I remember. It's now, it's now, it's now called Curry and all. The place has been taken over by a very, very nice. In fact, there's a, there's a good food story for you. Going back a little bit. Go on then. And um, we had a, we had, we had a, a, a very sociable chap who worked with us. Um, he's, he's left us unfortunately, but very sociable guy. Once a week, he would come around and take orders, and he would go to this Indian takeaway place called Curry and All. But he would take the order at about nine o'clock in the morning yeah. because this place was so popular that if you got there after 10 o'clock, they were sold out. You, you just couldn't get any food. And they made the most delicious biryani. So they've now moved to that shop where the, where the Japanese restaurant was in Ravonia Road. Okay. And you frequent and, this I mean, place too. is fantastic. So they're much bigger. They used to be like hidden away around the side of a garage on Greyston Road near the near the um, the fire station, sort of like really hidden hidden away. But now they've moved to this much bigger premises. So now you can go in there and order, and they've got it. They don't run out. So and I must say their food is fantastic. And uh, to me, uh, a, a good hot curry. I've never been brave enough to try a vindaloo yet. So I would normally no, have Wayne, a you must, No, please, please don't. Please don't try a vindaloo. No, look, I can, I can, I can do hot food. Make, make no mistake, I might have to catch my breath. Mm. In fact, at the moment, believe it or not, my fridge is so stocked with peri-peri sauce because people, I've been telling everyone of how I've been buying and loving peri-peri sauce. So now every time a person sees me, they give me peri-peri sauce. I so I must have about 10 different bottles. I've mm. got from as far away as Malawi. I've got from Namibia. I've got homemade locals. I've got bought locals. So I've got to work my way solidly through peri-peri sauce. But I must say I love it. So I can take hot food. But I, 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 as I said, I haven't tried Vindaloo yet. But to me, a lovely hot curry on a stinking hot summer's evening yes. is fantastic. Well, it, it makes you sweat, it, and, it, exactly, it and it actually you cools it makes you, you down. Sweat and you feel so it cools you down. Yeah, it's actually lovely. Mm. Just on the on the Japanese story, when I first came to Johannesburg in the late nineteen eighties, I used to go to a hotel there, and I can't for the life of me remember the hotel's name, but it had a Japanese restaurant housed within that hotel. And it was the first time I'd been to one where you sit in front of the chef and he or she yes. uh, uh, cooks in, in, in front of you. And there's one also in the Olovo Centre. Well, it's, it's probably gone now. It was opposite Bellini's. No, you know Bellini's in, in, in... Yeah, I know Bellini's, yeah. yeah. Opposite there, there was a, a Japanese restaurant as well, which I... Yes, which I, I actually went there, but I went there donkeys years ago. But listen, Bellini's is still there. I know. And they serve a, a blue cheese rump steak <laughs> like you have never had in your life. Okay. You've just reminded me that's where I'm going this weekend. Oh, very good. I haven't been to Bellini's for a blue cheese rump steak in forever, and it is too delicious for it. Well, I'm glad to be of assistance. Personally, I think steak should be should be rather pure without creamy uh, creamy sauces, but I know you're a fan of that No, sort no, of I got thing. you. I got you on that. Mm. 
I actually had another braai at home this weekend and I had a nice steak. Mm. And I don't know, I think it was when I took the world's biggest rugby fan to rugby at <laughs> Alice Park or whatever it's called now. Mm. When, you, when you went in there, they handed us a free little sachet packet of six-gun grilled spice because six-gun sponsors of, I think they sponsor the Greek word, soccer, the Greek word, the Greek word rugby team. Right. And when you got in, you got this little packet. So I, I had a steak and I thought, well, I've never had seasoning. I never tried seasoning before. So I put some of the six-gun grill, six-gun whatever it is, on the steak and I bried it and it was actually delicious. It added quite a nice flavor to the steak. Lovely. So it's the first time I've had seasoning. I've, I've had sauces, you know, garlic sauce and cheese sauce and all of that, obviously, many times. But I've never actually tried seasoning at home. And I must say it was quite lacquer. Okay, good. Uh, phone, phone Bellini's first to make sure they've still got your blue cheese steak on on, on the menu. Yes, uh, I but will. I really will uh, look forward to uh, the, the the feedback. And if it's a Friday, um, you have to book you, you have to book in advance because it's very popular with the uh, financial services community. No, no it's very popular. Mm. Good Michael, place. you won't well, you won't find you won't find Shapiro there on a Friday, but he might be there on a Saturday. I don't know what he eats. I've gone there with him before. I don't know what he eats. So um, he has steak. Oh, does he? Yeah, he, he, he's not a no, drinker. Last time he, he, there, he run. He well, does, when he, well, you know when he, you mm. know when he does eat when he stops talking, which doesn't, which isn't that often. Not often, no. It's not no. often. No. No, he, he he really he he's 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 a chatterbox, and if it's not it's not if it's not you he's talking to, it's the waitress. But you look, you go anywhere with you go anywhere in the broader Santon area with Shapiro. Two things happen. Okay, number one. He knows half the people there. Mm. He knows half the people in the restaurant. And the second thing that happens is he knows all the pretty girls in the restaurant. And if his wife oh, is listening, I know she listens to our podcast, Linda. Yeah, no, um, no. She, she, Linda, it's, Linda, it's, Linda, it's Linda just, just innocent flirting. That's all it is. No, no. She never has to worry. Shapiro, I don't think, has ever gone off. The beaten path thing. Never has. He's never no. He just likes. He just path. likes. Yeah. Uh, he likes you know, innocent flirting with with. And, with and, girls. And, not, and not as though. And not as though. Not only does he like it, the girls like him because <laughs> I think they see him as a grandfather figure or great grandfather. In some you know, they cases, they see him as safe. A great. You are your great. Your great great grandfather figure. <laughs> and, and 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 yeah. And you know he's a he's a charming man. He really is, and intelligent, and funny, and all those sort of things. All the things that you and I are yeah. not. But <laughs> yes, course. exactly that. Yes. Okay, jolly good, Wayne. Thank you very much and for that's, your time. And that's why, and yeah. that's why all, and that's why all the girls know him and like him. Mm. I don't know if he's a good tipper, but because um, he's like you, he's careful with money. No, no, he's no, he's a generous guy. No, no, no. Shapiro's he's got he, Shapiro's only got positive attributes. Yeah. There's no negative attribute to Shapiro. I know it's, it's sickening, isn't it? How can how can how can he be so nice yeah. all the time? And how can so he be so perfect? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's get off the subject now. I'm he feeling... doesn't get grumpy. He does. He never gets grumpy. He's always smiling. Look, he does get grumpy now and again. Not not now, not this, not this second. But he does get grumpy now and again when he's. Uh, Soccer team Arsenal. is permanently occupying tenth place or higher yeah. on the on the league, but they're number one now, aren't they? They're top of the league. Yeah, they are top of the yeah, league. Yeah, so he's not he's not even grumpy about that anymore because that was the only thing I've heard Shapiro ever be grumpy about was Arsenal. 
Yeah, it's very, very true. Do you remember when he's when he's I think it's his I think it's his latest grandchild was born a little girl. Yes. And he put it out on Twitter or whatever and he you know, welcome to the world. At least being a girl, she doesn't have to support Arsenal in the second sentence. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, so he's, I think he's Arsenal's passionate. big in his life, even though it causes him great frustration every now and again. It certainly does. Okay, we've talked too much about um, uh, Shapiro and food. I'm going to let you go because I know you've got another media appointment. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.